Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Martin Stenzig. Hey, Martin, how are you? Good. How are you, Ben? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show, Martin. Martin, I'm excited to learn more about how you're working and all the stuff that you're working on at Rising. Martin is the CTO at Rising. Rising's objective is to enable every business that uses SAP solutions to achieve a truly intelligent enterprise. And we'll talk about all of the things that Martin's working on to make that happen. I mean, he drives the technology that oversees There are three divisions to develop and maintain that technology strategy and to push rising forward. Lots to discuss there. But before we get there, Martin, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Yeah, um, as you said, I'm the chief technology officer at Rising. Uh, At Rising, we're helping companies run their organizations better by by implementing SAP's application portfolio. So in in that, you know, we consider ourselves a boutique provider as we have world-class experience in three areas. The first one is all around human capital management. So we put the people at, at center of the universe for that. The second covers what we call enterprise asset management. Now, enterprise asset management is sometimes mistaken by financial assets and your, your stock portfolio. Here, we're talking about you know, power poles, uh, oil refineries, power generation stations, railroad tracks. That's sort of what the assets we're talking about. And lastly, the third one is a more vertical focus on, on fashion and retail. So before I became the CTO um, at Rising, I ran the North American operations for our enterprise asset management line of business. I have been with the company for 15 years uh, and we grew it really from a handful of people in back in 1999, uh, actually 2006, to about $220 million of revenue last year. So it's a it's an amazing, amazing feat that I think we have delivered in 16 years, and, and it's exciting to be part of that team. On a more personal note, um, as you might be able to tell, I grew up in Germany, emigrated to the U.S. about 20 plus years ago. Uh, and these days, I call the Pacific Northwest home where I reside with you know my wonderful kids, um, a wife, obviously, and, and a dog. Well, Mart, it's an amazing story, and certainly I can see this one being one where you and the team have grown dramatically over the last 15 years. Now, in your role as CTO, tell me how you are able to work with all the divisions and stay one step ahead of all of them in terms of the technology that every one of them needs. It is a it is a daily struggle, especially with all the technologies that sort of hit us in the market for the past, especially in the last five years. So you're doing the best you can, but you really just just you know touch the surface. In my role at, at Rising, I'm trying to um, focus on the things that are tangential to SAP or could touch SAP. So I'm proud to say that I'm working with a small, powerful team that works on a variety of topics ranging all the way from you know general cloud topics via augmented reality to things that are very unique 
um, like machine learning models um, that work to detect objects in a point cloud. So those are the, the new things where we have LIDAR information that, that we're processing in order to detect um, you know, objects like power poles in a scan that we're doing with our own car. So those are things where, you know, where, where we are doing stuff that, you know, the, the Teslas of this world are doing. And I always tell my team, listen, we don't have the necessity to do, to do these recognitions in milliseconds in order to save lives. For us, it's more the accuracy and that we can actually process that. But those are all the technologies that we're touching these days, even though we're an SAP company, uh, with lots of technologies that are, are driving real business value in lots of our customers. So that's what excites me on a day-by-day on -day basis to, to go to work and, and to work with my powerful team in order to, to drive that forward. That's amazing. I mean, let's tweeze through that a little bit. I mean, you talked about augmented reality, talked about machine learning a bit. I mean, there is so much noise in all of these areas. What is the real? What is the real story? And what is of value, Martin, when we when you think of things like augmented reality? And how can you help us kind of get to assess these things you know, a bit more effectively? Yeah, for us, for us is really augmented reality, virtual reality, they have gotten a lot of buzz in the last years. And frankly, I believe we haven't even seen the starting point of it. I think we are just in the, in the mode of preparing for it. What we are looking for is, is somebody like uh, an Apple releasing a proper set of glasses that, that just look like your Ray-Ban glasses, uh, but they superimpose, you know, computer screens and then also the the reality aspect of it onto your onto your lens. Uh, you could do that as a replacement for your regular glasses. If we can, if we can technically make it happen that we're adjusting on the fly, sort of and correcting for your for your vision impairments. You know, those are the the opportunities. Now, in my industry, how that looks like. Uh, we envision that a technician that goes into the field tomorrow and looks at a power pole does not have to open up his iPad anymore, but the, the glasses themselves recognize that that is a power pole for my company. Up there is a transformer. Um, the camera automatically reads sort of the imprint on the transformer, validates that with a backend system. So, so I'm not just doing, I'm not just providing safety information, but I'm also providing efficiencies because when you're talking to our customers, one of the major problems is master data management. They don't even know what's out there. So by, by people leave, literally just looking at stuff, we can take that, process it and compare it with the internal system landscape. That's huge opportunities for improvement and huge benefits. So we're talking millions, millions of dollars. You know? mm -hmm. The other scenario that we have around augmented reality that we, so we run by utilities, for example, is um, they sending out a technician, you know, every so often in order to inspect your gas, gas riser, you know, that's the pipe that comes out of the ground and runs to the gas meter. You know, we need to inspect that for safety purposes. What if we could just give an application to every customer and say, listen, you just take a proper picture of it and you get $20 of a discount on your, on your annual bill. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in contrast, you know, an inspection where a technician comes out probably costs the company about $100. Uh, so the company saves 80, the customer saves 20, everybody wins. And all of that is because we have used technologies that's readily available today to, to sort of improve that process. So all of those scenarios are things where you see that, you know, we can do way more today than what we're already doing. And that's yeah. exciting for us yeah? because we're talking about changes that are not just the five to 10% business cases, 
but we're talking about things that that sort of are in the in the SpaceX form of you know you're talking multiples in in benefits and not just sort of little tiny business case and that's really why you know my job as CTO I always describe it as I have the best job in the in the company because I can push the limits on these technologies but in the context of you know making everybody you know more efficient more compliant and more safe in the industry well, I think there's one really interesting area that was always part of the CTO role, but I feel like it's moved more front and center. And it really relates to the pandemic. And in fact, this moment that we've been moving through, which is, I mean, every conversation I've ever had with a CTO, they're worried about security, they're worried about all those types of issues. But man, in a hybrid world, how complex. Tell me more about what the last couple of years have been like for you. Yeah, um, on a personal note, you know, it's actually great. I had the challenge that um, I didn't want to travel as much anyway. So what COVID did for me personally is it, it made me stuck at my house and didn't have me to travel a lot. So that was great. Yeah? And I yeah. appreciate that. On a, on a company note, you know, uh, the first thing I said to my colleagues is, I, I don't think we will ever buy desktop computers anymore as a, a more wow. in a CIO role, because, you know, we have to be prepared today as organizations, as companies to have our, our workforce be able to work from anywhere, any place, you know, mm -hmm. and by the way, anytime. So I'm not, um, I'm not forcing you to come into the office. So that's one side of the, uh, of the coin. And, and, you know, we are doing this you know, we're a web session. We're not yeah. meeting in New York or San Francisco or in Seattle. Um, so I think the good news is that we have seen efficiencies that there were all along, but COVID has forced us to acknowledge that it's possible. So we can work as shared teams. Having said that, though, and, and to be realistic, I am also a proponent to once in a while get together in person. I think there's nothing better than, you know, having a team meeting um, having the the you know the coffee corner chat that you know you should have in order to to form those social bonds that I just you know even though I'm a technologist and I love technology I don't think we we have the same experience through a Zoom meeting so so those are the two sides and when you talk security there's obviously a lot unpacked on that side especially with all the the challenges what we have uh, seen in security I think the good news is. Um, the security threats we are facing are predominantly fixable by just training your people. Yeah? Mm. If people know not to click on links, if people know, um, you know what fake, fake requests look like, if people don't sort of uh, respond to every text message they get, even though it looks very interesting, I think that's sort of the first barrier. Yeah? There's obviously something with technology we can do, and, and I think we have done that for, for years with virus scanners, firewalls, you name it. But I think I still believe that, you know, the person that sits in front of the machine is your, um, obviously, from a hacker perspective, um, the, the angle that is targeted. And that's really where we have to do more in order to make sure is that our organizations are trained up. We're at Rising, I think, are doing a really good job. So we have programs in place that um, on a monthly basis, you sort of get refresher trainings um, in order to make sure is that. Um, you know, we don't fall victim to that. Um, but we have seen certainly, you know, coinciding with acquisition announcements, additional threats being being put on our doorstep. And we can literally we have a correlation between sort of public announcements and even you and me talking, I will probably get a whole lot of, of fake requests again over the next month, uh, just because I show up on LinkedIn or Twitter. 
Right, right, right. So I love what you're saying. It's such a great point and certainly something that gets lost when we think of technology because the advancements in tech are incredible. They are transformational. However, if we don't train properly, if we don't kind of give the teams the skills to embrace that stuff, then you're left with that kind of disconnection that occurs, right? Where you as Martin are super excited about the technology, but then, you know, there's this lag of nobody using it. And so I love the focus that you guys have in bringing the two together. And, and really, Ben, that's sort of the, I think one of the biggest challenges I personally face um, it's that continual education of senior executives. I always describe it as, you know, sometimes the challenge of, you know, having business cases put in front of you that we could have delivered in 1990, uh, but we are in 2022. So there's a lot more that technology can do today. So the aim, we have to continuously reset the aim. And the challenge, I think, is to, A, continuously educate uh, senior executives as to what is possible, and I'm not talking about sort of the, the fictitious things that, you know, still have sort of gestation periods of five to 10 years, but stuff that is, is doable right now without, you know, super complex technology matters or, or horsepower, um, but it can drive real improvements in their business. So don't just aim for, as I said, what we could do in the 1980s and 1990s when you went to business school, but aim for what's possible today. And as I mentioned before, sort of the, the percentages we're seeing in your business cases are real. Um, and that's sort of where the risk for, for kind of established companies comes in. If they lose track of what's really possible, then you might have Uber situations where so if another company doesn't have the legacy of an existing business process, they are starting with just applying the new technologies to those the same business problems, but have an efficiency advantage of you know two to three times more efficiency. And that's sort of where the risk for established companies comes in. So how do you find the balance? So that's one aspect. The other aspect that, that I think I've seen as a business leader is the ever-increasing pace of change, primarily driven through new and improved technologies, um, and people just simply cannot keep up. Yeah. So 20 years ago, technology was usually the limiting factor in, in the change of adoption. And, and you've touched on it. Yeah? Today, what we're seeing is that the human being is, is the predominant factor to, to adapt and consume that change. And, and no, I'm not advocating giving, giving controls to the machines. Um, but there, there seems to be an invisible line that we're, we're touching on and, and we might even be crossed of how much technical change we can actually absorb as a society. And those are the interesting factors to say, okay, can we really push a release each year or is it just way too much for people to and businesses to absorb? Uh, so, so release cycles of, of three months sounded like a great idea. And yes, for a little iPhone app that really works if you sort of continuously push change. But yeah. for bigger things, it might be just way too much to, to sort of absorb on a continuous basis. Yeah, it's such a great point. I uh, did a little bit of research for a PhD I did in 2019 and 2020 on the movement towards upskilling related to machine learning. And I think that that discussion is really at the center of what you're referring to, Martin. I mean, here we have this movement towards utilizing data more effectively, utilizing it to essentially automate certain functions and roles. And yet, 
we need to make sure that we're training people to one, be able to use that technology efficiently, but two, to perhaps focus their energies on higher order tasks, right? And that's the whole set of challenges. Interestingly enough, it's been hard to see many companies invest properly to do that. You know, I mean, there's some in your area. I know Amazon has done quite a good job in that area. But when I asked many companies, it was a real challenge because I think they were struggling with exactly what you referred to, which is so much technology, so many things to think about. How do we get ahead of this, right? Yeah, and on the on the machine learning front, I always start with the ABCs. And I think what what you know, with all that hype around artificial intelligence and machines taking over and everything is going to get automated, I think you know, go back to the basics. The the one basic that I always tell my customer that has you know seemingly lo- gone lost in the shuffle is, you know, especially in, you know predictive ma- uh, predictive algorithms usually give you a a percentage. You know, this is my recommendation based on a certain percentage. So it's not the one or zero, the black or white that we have seen in, in IT for years. And it's a completely new mindset. So, so there are some, some you know, threads out there around explainable AI. So, so provide a recommendation to the end user for what to enter here or, or give them a suggestion. But at the same time, also let them know that, no, it's not a one or a zero. It's not a 100%, this is your answer. This is based on a, on a machine learning algorithm that got trained, you know? but it does not mean that it has the 100% answer. It means that you, know, you cross the threshold from 80 to whatever, 90%, and that's why we're giving you that recommendation. But that's sort of what we need to, I think that's where we need to start to make sure is that people you know, appreciate what, what it brings to the table. Is it an improvement over what I have right now, which is I have an empty field? Absolutely. Does that mean that, you know, it's better than me and has always the right answer? Absolutely not. And yeah. and if you if you have a necessity to be always at 100%, then, you know, this approach might not be the right one. Um, but again, on the flip side of that, when we're talking about uh, recognition of objects, you know, when we're talking about the things that I mentioned before, um, I mean, compared to what we're doing right now, you know, we actually catapulting ourselves from the Stone Age into the Jetsons Age. Uh, yeah. And, and that is the big differentiator. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, listen, I mean, Martin, as you look forward now, here we are in an interesting, I'd say, time period again. We're seeing kind of a one economic cycle come to an end, a new economic cycle, perhaps opening up next year. How does that affect your planning on technology and what's really on the horizon? So what we're doing, and that's sort of where my team comes in, we are we're taking the technology ideas that we're having and that we're moving them beyond what I call the PowerPoint presentation. Uh, everybody can make a business case on a PowerPoint slide, but what we're doing is we're taking them um, for a spin and implementing them all the way through. That doesn't mean that you know, we're training the machine learning model to 90.9%. It means that you know, the 80% approach is good enough for, for us to make sure is that the business case is solid and mm-hmm. we feel comfortable to take that to our customers um, and standing tall in front of them and say, this makes sense. And we can prove you that we can execute against this because that's kind of what it comes down to. We grew up and, and we got this big, um, not by sort of you know, having the best presentations, but by proving our customers that we can actually deliver. And I right. always ask my customers, like, let's have a challenge, you know, because I know that 
my team will be able to deliver. And that's kind of why I'm better than the, than the competition. So that's, that's sort of the interesting thing for us. You know? um, I love it. So, but, but technologies in itself, um, you know, there are technologies out there that we'll feel are, are sort of, you know, coming up in the next couple of years. Um, there are some technologies and some offerings from SAP that we believe in the next five years are going to explode just simply because SAP has a has an end of maintenance date in, in 2027. So we're looking forward to that, which will drive our customer base to the cloud and into these future technologies and just, you know, reevaluating some of the processes that we've talked about for a while. So yeah. a lot of opportunities in the next, next few years and a lot of planning going on is in how do we prepare for that? How do we prepare for what we believe will be an increase in demand in our, in our market, the SAP system integrator space? Um, and it's going to be an exciting five years for us. Martin, you know, we've been covering off a lot of big topics today in the tech space. If someone wanted to learn more about what you and the Rising team are working on, where's the best place to reach you? Uh, martin.stensig at rising.com. Send me an email. I'm always open for these discussions. Always happy to have these kinds of chats, Ben. So really appreciate you inviting me to, the, to your show. Um, yeah. And yeah, at rising.com, you'll find all the information about the company. But yeah, I'm, I'm always open for, for these kinds of exchanges uh, with peers, with you know industry groups, with audiences in general. Um, invite me and let's have a chat. Well, it's been amazing talking to you, Martin. We've been speaking with Martin Stenzig. Martin Stenzig is the CTO of Rising. Rising is a fast-growing company. It actually enables businesses to use SAP solutions to achieve intelligent enterprises. And they have been scaling for many, many years. And we've been talking to Martin Stenzig, who's their CTO, about what technology can be doing, how it, the areas that are exciting, like augmented reality, machine learning, but also, interestingly enough, the human element here, which is how do we get teams to embrace the accelerated pace of technology in an effective way for an organization? Martin, thank you so much for being on the show today, and we look forward to having you back. Thanks, Ben. Cheers.